welcome to the Whiskey Sisters podcast. I am Inga Larissa. And I am Jennifer Rose. Together, we will be bringing you a weekly whiskey podcast where we'll be discovering drams, exploring distilleries, talking to industry experts and sharing other whiskey adventures. Not only will we be sticking our noses into our drams, but also into all things new and current in the whiskey universe, with a leading commentary, of course. You're listening to Whiskey Sisters, the podcast. Welcome to episode 28. Today we will be discussing terroir and whiskey. Waterford Distillery in Ireland believes the type of barley, the specific soil and location where it grows can enhance the flavour of any spirit, the unique taste of terroir. Yeah, we are intrigued by the controversial and somewhat nerdy whiskey production of Waterford Distillery. And they have taken the whole concept of provenance even further by having the focus on terroir at a micro or farm to farm level, a provenance with complete traceability. Before we dive into deeper into this topic, let's stick our noses into the latest whiskey news. Stick your nose in it. There's been a lot of new releases lately. Our favourite McAllen <laughs> has unveiled its limited edition James Bond 60th anniversary release to mark six decades of the film franchise. Yeah, I have to say that this is quite clever because obviously who doesn't love a bit of James Bond action? Oh, I know. Who's your favourite Bond, Inca? Uh, I don't know. It's quite a hard question, isn't it? Yeah, who's yours? I like. I quite like Daniel Craig. He's he's <gasps> good. What? I think he's my least favorite. Oh, really? He's but... really, like not really acting. He's just stern faced. Stern faced. <laughs> Is that even a thing? <laughs> oh, like he's got one look. Yeah, no, I quite like him, and I quite like Sean. Yeah, well, obviously he's a classic. Okay, so presented in individually designed sleeves, the bottles also feature an original illustrative design and a behind-the-scenes exploration of the James Bond archives. The Macallan has been featured in numerous James Bond films, including Skyfall, when 007 is seen to drink the Macallan Fine and Rare 1962. And the price per bottle is around £600. That's a bit pricey. Totally. Yeah, at first I thought they were doing six different whiskies, but I think it's actually just one whiskey with six different packaging. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it is quite nice. And I guess for collectors and 60 years of the movies, that's crazy, isn't it? Well, also Diageo has launched Elusive Expressions, its 2022 special releases whiskey collection. And this includes eight different whiskies from distilleries such as Mordlach, Talisker, Lagavulin, Gardu, and Cameron Brits, and so on. Ooh, nice. Yeah, they got all sorts of cool artwork as well so yeah they have got lovely designs haven't they mm. whiskey sisters so how do you feel about the terroir and whiskey jennifer well to me it makes a lot of sense you know that from different areas the different energy and the ground the different history of the land the energy and vibration of it all like that gets me super excited and i start thinking and like slightly geeky but slightly magical ways I know a lot of people are just like it's a lot of rubbish it doesn't really matter but I just think especially like when we've spoken before about peat for example the different type of peat coming from you know the different landscapes with different microclimates and everything yeah taste really differently to each other so whether you know it's subtleties that I would be able to notice or not but I just find it as a concept super cool I just like it me too. I think there's a lot of people who 
just hate the idea or just think it's rubbish. Obviously, it's quite hard to like compare different whiskies, whether it actually makes much of an impact. But I just do think that if, if it works for loads of other spirits and it works for wine, why wouldn't it work for yeah. whiskey? Like it doesn't necessarily like whether it makes it any better, but I guess you would just get different types of flavors from the barley. For sure. You know, and if you think back to like days of old, like in the, the markets, places and things, like people would have produce from a similar area, but it would be like different produce that, yeah. you know, that they came with and oh, that that makes better whatever. I can't think yeah, of good examples. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the fact is that even two farms next door to each other, like you just said, they basically the barley is, can be completely different based on the location and the soil, like, you know, like with wine grapes, basically. The importance of barley is often overlooked in the whiskey production. And, you know, many variety, varieties are actually like mixed together. So they don't even always use just individual farms or, you know, different areas. It might just be completely mixed. Yeah, and sometimes they even get it from another country. Yeah, and so like very random pick and mix barley. Yeah, and I remember some years ago, one brand rep told me that the initial taste of whiskey new make doesn't actually matter as the flavor it will be, oh, it will change after it's been in the barrel. But like, I'm, I was just thinking like, why would you risk such a long and expensive production with the shit new make and just hope that it will just get loads of flavors from the cask rather than start with the, like a really good barley and it's just I, I just oh I couldn't understand it absolutely and you know that's super interesting to hear you say that because I was somewhere recently and somebody within the whiskey industry was saying very much the same thing that kind of the new make doesn't matter and I thought well here am I never been in production you know whiskey enthusiast Jane but I was thinking that's not right surely and you, you know you get really different tasting new makes so surely yeah. to goodness it's hugely influential what goes in you exactly. know, your body first. well yeah. basically this guy uh the whiskey is now actually fully matured and is has been released but i haven't tried it but the guy basically years ago sent me a sample of the new make and just asked you know what do i think of it just honest opinion and i was avoiding for a while to say anything and then he chased me and i'm like okay i just have to be honest but it's just for me, it tastes like a really bad tequila. Not nice. Like sometimes new make can be really just smooth and floral yeah. or fruity. You know, even that one you were saying that you could do like um, bacon salad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why why would you just start with? So I'm I'm quite intrigued to try the whiskey, but I'm not going to name it just now. <laughs> For sure. Worldwide whiskeys with the whiskey sisters. Okay, so what exactly is terroir? Is a concept perhaps more familiar to winemakers than distillers? Terroir explains how the synergy between climate, soil and place impacts an individual plant. So whether you're talking about how to grow the best tomatoes, grapes, roses or barley, gardening or farming, it all counts as terroir. It's shaped by microclimate, soil and farming methods whether the barley will still have an impact after the spirit spent years in the barrel. So I think, I think so. Yeah. So Waterford Distillery has taken this terroir experiment to great levels. Mark Rayner has always believed in terroir and its benefits for whiskey production. Many may remember him from Brookladdy. This time he put his focus on Irish whiskey and Irish barley, the barley coming from the southeast of Ireland. It's considered 
one of the best. Yeah, and um, they used the facilities originally built by Diageo in 2004. The premises date back to 1792 when the first brewery was built on the existing site. And some of the old elements can still be found there, including a 12-meter well at the foot of Summerhill, which today still provides volcanic filtered water straight to the distillery. How cool is that? That's nice, isn't it? Waterford Distillery is now the world's largest producer of organic and biodynamic whiskey. The distillery's total output is just under 1 million litres of total spirit per year, although they have capacity to distill even more. Let's bring in our terroir specialist to learn more about this unique distillery. Angelita Fonseca Hines. Welcome, Angelita. We are pleased you could join us today and shed some light into the terroir debate. We discussed a little bit about terroir earlier in the episode and it would be great if you could tell us, you know, give us your take on it. What is it and, you know, why should we kind of care about it? Hi, Jennifer. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, Jennifer Enning, <laughs> it's an absolutely <laughs> pleasure to be part of your program. I'm Angelita Hines. I am the terroir specialist for Waterford Distillery. So basically what I do, I'm the link between production and uh, the scientific research. So I work with uh, the head brewer, Neil Conway, and uh, Dr. Dustin Herb, which he's based in uh, in America. So a lot of the research that is conducted, it is assembled by myself on site. And uh, there's, we have ongoing projects happening. It's like when we talk about the war, people always ask me like, okay, so people that know the war, they're like, oh, this is great. And then it's yeah. great because then we can just get into a conversation. But then people that haven't heard of the word terroir, they're like, oh, so what, what do you do? And mm-hmm. I always say to them, well, do you have an hour? <laughs> yeah. Our podcast is normally about half an hour. so <laughs> For you, it's clearly something that you care about and are passionate about. Is it something that, you know, that you feel causes active debate in the whiskey world? Or is it something for you that should maybe be part of production everywhere? There were, it was a very polarised uh, topic. It is becoming less polarised since uh, the, the academic research uh, that was done in Waterford. It took four years mm-hmm. and that paper was published last year. So since that paper was published, we haven't encountered many of those uh, polarized uh, debates because uh, we mm-hmm. have the scientific data to back us up. So and that's where I, I kind of, kind of uh, started my journey into terroir. So I was um, finishing my degree in brewing distilling and I did my placement on and off in Waterford Distillery. And during some of my, my placement, I was uh, helping Neo in a lot of the, the projects and uh, I pretty much kind of fell into it. Even though they had a lot of research going, there was not much happening in the lab. Uh, there was a lot of things happening in the US, but not so much in the distillery itself. And uh, so when I started uh, doing that uh, work placement, we were just beginning to analyze some new makes samples and some maturing samples for the distillery. I created some protocols and then I started to make some of the projects viable with the inside the distillery. Dustin put in 
he put in the feasibility project uh, on paper and I put the project together. So we actually do have a sample library in the distillery and um, we have samples taken from every distillation since uh, 2015, effectively able to walk into the library and uh, collect any samples uh, mm -hmm. I need for any project that we'll be working on. So when we talk about terroir, it's never one piece. There's a lot, it's like loads of moving parts of terroir. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of projects happening. And when it, we talk about a couple of different projects happening at the same time, it doesn't mean that they all, they are different uh, of focus on each of them, but they're like, they work like building blocks. So it's ba basically, we're like building foundation of all those scientific researches and, and, and all areas that we do not understand yet. So it is, it's just building our knowledge. This just sounds amazing that you maybe know a little bit more about the whole distilling and it's just like whiskey production as well as like understanding terroir. So it sounds like you're the right person <laughs> for <Yeah>. the job. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, when when I was studying to be a brewer and distiller, I always imagined myself working in production, which mm -hmm. I did for a very short time uh, during my work placements when I was in college. I tailed Neo for, I don't know how long, I'd say he was sick of me by the, by the end of my day. <laughs> but then I was always so good at organizing, coordinating uh, things in life in general. And that that is the role that I created within my role. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of project managing. And by doing those, there's a lot of knowledge that I've gained. I still have a lot more to learn. There's so much to discover. But the understanding and the knowledge that we're gaining by uh, uncovering all those uh, those facts on terroir, it's just, it is amazing. How many farms and soil types are now actually involved in providing barley to the distillery? And could you tell us a bit more about the logistics and how you keep each farm crop separate? We have 102 farms that grows for Waterford Distillery. Wow. So yeah, I, well, I don't know how many were there when you came uh, visit in 2019 because we have we have been expanding. Yeah, I think it was about 70 maybe at that time. Waterford could only be Waterford by the likes of what we call the cathedral, which is an area where we store the barley. To become malt, barley has to break dormancy. Therefore, we need to store that barley for a, a minimum of six months. And uh, in normal distilleries the the way uh, distilleries do uh, maltsters do they they just collect from different farms and then mm -hmm. then it becomes like an amalgamation of grains yeah. they just mix for uniformity and it's easier for malting but in waterford we don't do that we select the farms that grows for us so we're looking for a very high quality and people that have the high standards of farming practices but also once we have the barley from each farm that barley is uh, sent to a place where we call the cathedral so that's in county kilkenny in in ireland inside uh, that warehouse there are 40 different bays so and it, it literally is if you imagine a, a huge warehouse with mm -hmm. walls so there will be 40 different uh, uh, separations in them. So each farm, once they bring their barley in, 
they would just store each of their farms in different areas. So they are not only stored separately, but they are also malted uh, separately. And uh, it will be malted according to the specification of that particular grain. So by doing that, we're preserving the terroir. So for people listening, what 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 is that then? Why is terroir from each farm? So basically, it's almost like a digital print from each farm. <laughs> So each farm will have, uh, according to the environment around that farm, the soil types, the amount of, of uh, sunlight, rain, wind, but also their farming practices. It could be commercial type of farming, could be organic type of farming, could be biodynamic type of farming. But even within each category, each farmers uh, treat their land individually and therefore the, the land uh, uh, will give a different attribute that <laughs> attribute that would then be expressed on each grain by by having each farm based in different bays we are keeping that uh, fingerprint from each farm we are going to brew and distill in the very same way so it's always kept in the very same recipe so there's no no differences between uh, farms it's always the same recipe and uh, except for uh, the yeah that makes sense definitely and then when it goes to the stills, uh, we we distill low and slow. Uh, stills are engineered to run three times faster than what we do. We are not willing to cut any corners for yeah. of yield. So it's always about quality and it's always about keeping that fingerprint of each farm that will give that particular terroir. And then when we put it into maturation and it goes to for all the farms, they always catch dif uh, in different uh, places as well in the warehouse and from all, for all the farms they always place in four different casks and then at the end when, when once it becomes a whiskey ned which is the the head distiller he will decide how he's going to put that together. So it's okay. like a chef making a, putting a recipe. So sometimes mm. you might put a bit extra French oak rather than a virgin oak by keeping that control through the whole brew house and distillation mm -hmm. maturation. It gives us the, the best scenario for us to appreciate and understand and taste the differences. In the the differences. Yeah. There's so much detail at all these different levels. And we wanted to ask you a bit about last year here, uh, Waterford released the world's first biodynamic whiskey, which we will be reviewing later in this episode. What do you feel, you know, the difference to that organic and biodynamic farming have in spirit? What difference do you feel that makes? So when it comes to me in terms of lab and uh, all the sensory analysis that we do, the results from the sensory analysis from our panelists and also from lab analysis and analytical analysis, we can actually see differences in terms of flavor. Mm -hmm. And the biodynamic in particular, it is very spiky in terms of, of flavor. It's extremely flavorsome. So that is not just a matter of saying, oh, I do someone's favorite or I yeah. It could be my favorite, but it's not about that. It's about what the differences in terms of sensory yeah. analysis it gives, and it does give very particular uh, kind of spikes on when we when we place all those flavor attributes into diagrams. So, as yep. in terms of farming practices, so that's that that it plays. I 
I personally think it plays a lot. It doesn't matter which category they fall they fall uh, into. It could be commercial, organic, or biodynamic. All farmers have a great uh, relationship with their own farm and their own yeah. farm. But the way commercial farming they do, uh, adding uh, nitrogens into their fields, and it's just a normal normal for nowadays mm-hmm. for our modern practices this is how they do as in when we go to organic and biodynamic they look at, at these with a totally different lens yeah and they really change the way they look things around they really appreciate their environment and then when you go into biodynamic it is even more they they really use the lunar calendar for everything it could be there in the middle of march and it's the day that sh- uh, the calendar say you know today is a th- today is the best day to grow your barley and it yeah. could be snowing outside yeah. And you'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, frame of mind would go out today. It is, you know, it's the ground is frozen, it's snowing. But then they're like, this is what the calendar say. And there you go. Tough love, the best of luck. I really believe in you. And the way that seed express, it is remarkable that that is the, the the differences that we can see. And it's like they're not worried about how the weather is, they're not worried about. Mm-hmm when it's going to ripe and how the summers they're just not worried they really believe it's like trusting in those cycles of nature and then when we we do sensory analysis on the spirits that comes out of those farms we can really see how expressive those grains are and we can really tell how it really can express their environment and their terroir and it's 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 louder kind of sensory analysis it's like if you are tasting uh something there could be anything in front of you and you could say oh this is a lovely floral has low really high floral notes and has uh lovely fresh fruit fresh cut fruit and uh and then you go in and put a biodynamic there and you're like wow someone just spiked that sample it, 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 <laughs> you could, you, if so if i if someone said oh you know we just added something extra there just yeah. that you would believe because that's how it is it's it, it's louder it's bolder it's more vivid even on like on your brain as you're as you're detecting all those uh, those aromas and then you're getting all those notes and on your palate you'll be like wow you almost you don't have to be thinking mm, what, what 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 category would that fall you know if it is in the floral category you will know straight away it's like yes. wow it's like it's screaming fresh flowers it's or it's screaming lavender so it, that's the type of uh of way that i would see in, the, mm. in terms of differences in farms that's very exciting and i remember when i was visiting the distillery and i was sampling i was in that room with all those low bottles and i was sampling Med loads slide. of different <laughs> yeah i was sampling new makes and you could clearly tell the differences of each crop and you'd be like okay like i think this is salty and then he would then tell me that actually yes the the farm is based right by the sea and they get these strong winds and blah 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 but how would you say because you mentioned the casks earlier four different casks so how would these translate into the final product after the aging and are you worried that the long maturation period may take away from the terroir 
I, I think the maturation, it probably is just going to polish more. A couple of months ago, I was able to sample something that went into our very first cask that was ever in the distillery. And you can still tell the differences in terroir. We divide the, the, the terroir in four main categories, even though in Ireland there are so many types of subsoils. But we divide them in four big categories, which are quite distinct. But then what about those soils that are within the same uh, the same soil category and you can still pick up differences of terroir within them and as much a fact you could even pick up differences if a farm is next to the other actually and then when it goes into the to the maturing spirit you know of course the cask does lend a lot of attributes and is mm-hmm. a lot of things but then the chemistry between both of them it's just the way uh, chemically uh, start to re they just start to rearrange and eventually they they fall into lovely pieces that uh, expresses, uh, you know, you, you could say it's expressed differently than when was a new make, but that is more like a polish. It's like, you know, if you imagine like a raw diamond. Yeah. Is, but then when you start to polish the corners, it just shines more. And and that's what, what we want. We want a, a lovely spirit. And as it matures, we'll, we'll gain more appreciation. But also for even for our young whiskies, you could say, yes, you can tell it's young, but it's amazing how it, it just expresses itself. And that's their work. In action. The raw material which which is barley water and and yeast they are the the, the main uh, ingredients we use uh, uh distillers yeast which is very normal among the industry if we're going to start to play around with yeast we're just going to different directions completely because yeast also has a huge impact on flavor but um in this case it is the barley so the barley is the king and, and if it was <laughs> a barley it would be a, a different different type of grain but yeah. in our case, it's the barley. So we are letting the barley talk. As you know, we have our passports for each barley. We know what they, it, it, what, when was planted. Actually, um, any of the listeners there, they can just uh, have a look at the back of each bottle of water for distillery. And there in the back, there is a terroir code. So you go to website and you place that terroir code onto to the page and uh, it will bring you to know pretty much much more than you actually imagined that would be attached yeah. to that. So we able to tell uh, where, where the location of the farm, the name of the farmer, the name of the dog of the farmer. <laughs> <laughs> All the details. Gives you the address of, of the farm. So <laughs> from each crop year tells when uh, when was that planted, what variety was planted. We also have some satellite kind of uh, uh, things that we pick up of uh, the climate around. So we know the amount of rain, the sun hours. We can we can bring all those type of uh, information to show people that are drinking the whiskey. If someone is a proper whiskey nerd or terroir nerd that wants to know more this uh, this is a great way to really go yeah. down to the nitty-gritty of of yeah. the terroir and of the whiskey in the bottle but you know i think it's kind of going a little bit beyond as well just of the the whiskey nerds lots of people have actually when they listen to our story of what we're doing in waterford people actually have never even 
thought about because it has never the that information has never reached them so yeah. they might not understand at all but they feel wow you know what it's actually great to know exactly the route that you know that raw material has uh, has uh, traveled to be here on my glass as I was going to say it connects them to the story of that spirit, you know, and, it, it and it's does. journey in the full sense, hasn't it? Exactly, because then it's not just about the distillery. It goes yeah. much deeper than that. You know, the connection with the producers that are off, which are the farmers, which are often, well, most of the time, they don't know who it is. And Do you, do you have a favourite farm or... Um... Any favorite Waterford whiskies that any like our listeners should try or keep an eye out for? I do, and I do, and it's the farmer close to my house. I live in County Kilkenny, and so I travel to Waterford. But the owner of the farm, his daughter work in the distillery, so I personally feel there is a connection there it is like it yeah. is a, it's the environment where i live and uh, but i also really like the flavors of that particular farm every time uh, so that farm is phil o'brien uh, which is uh the bottles are she's down and the times uh, samples of the she's down comes to me or comes to the lab and usually comes and you know could be in a bigger vessel and you open up and it's just like to me, it just smells Christmas, and, and it, yeah. to me, it to me, it just gives me wonderful memories. It just brings that. Yes. it's that little place on your own. That the, instant connection for you with the yes. memory. Yes, it is. I, I think the biodynamic. It's like wow, what is this? <laughs> the first time I actually tasted biodynamic, I actually thought it was peated. I was like, oh my god, this is this is why is the notes of tobacco just screams out of the sample before you even try? So and, much depth of flavor for you, yeah, Angelita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know things like that. <laughs> I love the passion that you're bringing to you know your role. Your it sounds a really innovative role, and the connection you've got in you know the community around you and. I'm guessing that there'll be a lot of people, you know, interested in Waterford listening to this episode might like to come and visit. When I was there in 2021, there weren't tours, but are we right in thinking that it's open for people that want to tour now? Yes, so it is It is open to the public now. So you can book uh, via the website. So you, if you were, uh, especially if you're in, in Ireland and you were doing a bit of the whiskey trail, Times people start in Dublin and they might be traveling uh, towards Middleton in Cork. Mm -hmm. So Waterford is on the way. So it's a great place just to start. Brilliant. Uh, Waterford City has uh, has wonderful history. Uh, it was the first uh, capital of Ireland. So it was uh, a city by the Vikings, uh, founded yeah. by the Vikings. So there's a lot of history. And I, I definitely recommend the tour. I definitely have to come back for the tour <laughs> and I, I just love how much variety there is in the whiskies just because the range obviously is so wide between all the different farms and then when you're mixing farms together or you know the organic the biodynamic so it's really really amazing and it's nice to have kind of challenge people a little bit in the whiskey industry. So I I personally feel I'm in such a wonderful position but firstly because I love my job I love what I do and it's really interesting 
and uh, working for Waterford Distillery, it's like it's like a family. It is a wonderful place to work. That's nice. But also, I feel quite privileged as a woman to be part of such a pioneering project. Yeah. And um, as a woman, I don't encounter any resistance at all. It is very much, uh, you know, especially people that are part of the industry or understand whiskey. It is. Uh, there, there is a lovely appreciation the fact that you were women and doing some things that are quite different. Brilliant. So, what would you say? What's next for Waterford Distillery, or is there something, something new apart from the tours that you can give us <laughs> a little snippet? Uh, in terms of what is going to come, in, th in terms of new whiskies, this is not my department. <laughs> 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 like I, I only know a couple of months beforehand what is going on. <laughs> yeah. so I am not the person to be telling secrets here. <laughs> well, I know there's peated. You just released a peated whiskey, yes. I believe. Yeah. So and that's that interesting. I'll definitely have to look out yes. for that one. And the one that I'll be recommending uh, for both of you to try the Hunter. So the Hunter is part of an absolutely wonderful project that uh, I have been very um, honored to be part of. So those are heritage grains that Waterford has uh, grown for and developed for the last few years. So we have a few other ones that will be coming up in the next in the next year. So definitely be ones to be watching out for. The Hunter in particular, it is, which is the first release of uh, of the Heritage, which is also part of the Arcadian series, mm -hmm. uh, that grain has been stopped growing for the last 70 years. Uh, it was a, a breed that uh, had, had a lot of flavor, but uh, for yield purposes, the industry just moved on. So what we're going, we are doing is we are uncovering mm -hmm. flavors that you wouldn't be able to access anymore because simply the grains are not grown anymore but just always uh, just a small little explanation about that how it started so those grains started with 20 grams of seeds and uh for us to get a batch of 120 tons so it took us a few years to wow. grow from that amount of of seeds to a full batch so it took maybe three years and then another uh four years to 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 develop into a final product so if you want to start to uncover forgotten flavors or things that we will never be able to to taste because it simply is not there. Thank you so much for taking the time, Angelita. We've had excellent experiences there. It would be nice to go back together, wouldn't it, Inca? Uh, yes, definitely. We need to plan a trip for sure. And if you do, please let me know so I can try to arrange to be there. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you very Thanks. much for having me. Dram on fire. So I find this Terra project very interesting. And I love that there are people who like to challenge the industry and explore wider possibilities when it comes to the spirit and the pursuit of flavor. Definitely shake it up a bit, keep things moving. And the distillery has three different whiskey series, single farm origin, that's one farm, one location. The Arcadian series, organic and biodynamic heritage, and Cuvée, blends of single farm origins. Today, we will be reviewing Cuvée Lodestar, so a blend of single farms. So these are organic, just individual Irish farms barley mixed together. And the second whiskey, 
we will be diving into is Luna 1.1, which is the world's first biodynamic whiskey bottled under the Arcadian series. So let's start with Lodestar. Okay, so this Lodestar is bottled at 50% ABV and I found the color very kind of yellow, golden, quite nice. It's light bright yeah um, nice and light Inka should we actually start by seeing how absolutely stunning the bottles are they're really pretty aren't they nice design yeah it's blue glass each series has a different colored glass cap but they're really beautiful and the Luna is turquoise cap with the blue bottle it is so stunning and the Lodestar has a pink cap and you know we've had a guest on before that said the truth is in the juice which we do agree with but hey we want to talk about the pretty packaging because it's nice exactly and it's nice again it's a bit different to it's not your average and you can't see the color of the whiskey through the Mm -hmm. bottle so how did you find it in the nose Inca? rubbish really oh my god i was really disappointed on the nose i got like no way you know those crayon pencils of coloring <laughs> things that they give for kids? It smells like that and then with the hint of paint. Oh, whoa. No or way. Or some glue or something. Yeah. That surprises me. So I got something I got something quite different. What did you get? I was I'd been like working a long day and then I just like like went straight into some whiskey tasting. So I don't know if that's get made any difference. But I just thought it had lots of layers on the nose. And I was like, oh, it's quite fruity. I've got like apricot jam. I was getting peaches and syrup, you know, like the like tin peaches. Yeah. And then I got like kind of like a marzipan. And then I was like, oh, what's this scent upon my nose? And it was like damp soil. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm in the farm. And yeah, definitely is this soil. I can get the soil. And definitely maybe some, soil. Like, maybe some stone fruit. I'm just nosing it right at this minute as well. Because I, I, I wanted to hear what you got to say. Because I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so this, I can agree with the soil. It's a bit um, earthy, maybe. Um, on the palate, I was thinking quite fresh citrus juices, you know, like quite lemony and maybe some of those, you know, those brown olives. Oh, that, okay. Good shout. Kind of, yeah. Because uh, it's quite earthy and there's some spiciness on the tip of the tongue. It also starts off quite woody. I was quite surprised by it on the palate. I was expecting it to be sweeter with what I'd got on the nose. I initially found it quite perfumed on the palate, kind of like, oh, when I was a teenager, I used to like spray loads of the body shop yeah. white musk, white musk perfume, like on <laughs> my big permed hair. And I was like, oh my God, I'm back. It's 1989 and I can smell white musk. So I got this perfumed muskiness. I thought it was less sweet. And you know, like those hard sweets that you suck? Like mm-hmm. anise, aniseed balls. I found yeah. it quite strong aniseedy. All oh, right. No, I I don't really get the aniseed too much, but there's definitely now that you mentioned the floral stuff, I think there's almost like violet or something like that on the back, yeah. like the finish. I thought was quite malty and like like a malty chocolate coated biscuit. Okay. Plus that kind of woodiness mixed in and the earthiness still coming through. So. Again, it's super interesting to hear your experience and mine differed a bit when you were saying citrusy notes on the palate. I did get that on the finish, kind of citrus fruits, but quite a, like a wersh bitter, like I've written like tart lemon, like a kind of like 
that you would yeah. suck your suck your cheeks in lemon. Yeah, yeah, or like um, bergamot or grapefruit or some that kind of tart. Yeah, like see from the nose, I was like, oh, ah, there's so many layers here. I really enjoyed it on the nose, and if I'm honest, I enjoyed nosing it better than I did drinking it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was really disappointed because I've got the bottle of the first cuvee. Uh, Bill Crimmage, which is out of this world. It's like super amazing. It's just ah, so smooth, soft in your mouth, like really rounded with loads of amazing kind of toffee caramel notes. And it's just really good. And I was beating myself that why didn't I send you, I'll give you that sample instead of this. (laughs) (laughs) But like I didn't, because I've only tried this once and so I forgot how it is. And then also this is one of the newer ones. So I thought maybe for our listeners, it's better to talk about something that's still available. Because sure. yeah, I'm not sure if the other one is available. But if it is, go and get it. First Kuwait, Bill yeah. Kuwait. So you notice a big difference there. Oh, massive. But yeah, like, okay, I, I it was fine souping it, but it's not my favorite. So how about the Luna? Well... Can I just say, first of all, I'm super excited by the whole full moon situation. I'm like loving that. I love a bit of celestial alignment. I've been known to stargaze, watch the Perseid meteor shower, like, oh, so good. So I'm just like (laughs) the part of me that just wants to like be in Harry Potter thinks that's got it. That's got to have magical powers, right? You know, I'd kind of built myself up and I think that's a pattern for me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was just going to say, not sure if it's always positive. Yeah. So I was almost expecting like, you know, glistening beams of light coming out the bottle. <laughs> um, yeah. I thought it was a kind of sunshiny colour, nice, quite light sunshiny colour. I Yeah, I went on all poet, poetic as well and wrote mm. barley field in the sun. Love it. <laughs> That's it. That Irish mysticism is just coming over, Yenka. <laughs> yeah. So in the barley field full of sun, I was getting aromas of do you call them strop waffles? Those big, heavy, like waffles you get, like that are thick with caramel. I think they're oh, yeah. So I got like that kind of very sweet caramelly smell, mm-hmm. Mar- marmalade, and the breakfast cereal sugar puffs. Do you get that in Finland? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Good call. Sugar puffs. Yeah. Mm. So like my my sweet tooth kind of little kid was a bit like, mmm, this is all a bit juicy on the nose. Yeah, exactly. Very nice. I got toffee, a little bit of sweet citrus. There's something going on there in the back background. Melted chocolate ice cream. Nice. And vanilla custard. So I can definitely get your waffle vibes. Uh-huh. Inka, let's backtrack because I want to know your slant on the full moon situation. Do you think that's a lot of old hocus pocus or can you get down with that concept? I can kind of get down with that, but I'm just being too finished and like, Meh. <laughs> I yeah I always like I think people always assume that when it's full moon you're like oh I had terrible nightmares last night yeah it was full moon or (laughs) I got a headache all day yeah it's full moon so (laughs) I I don't know (laughs) like it's really I don't know if this is true or if any geophysicist out there could like correct us but I'm sure you know like the energy like lines that we have in the in the earth and the planet like those kind of geomantic yeah. like, <laughs> vibration. Mm-hmm. I think at full moon that they kind of like expand. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm sure there is definitely some sort of impact. You would think, yeah. but yeah, I don't but really as we know see, if it affects us. 
and the whiskey. Well, that's the thing (laughs) with the biodynamic. That's kind of what they base on all the, you know, the cycles. I like, I want to believe that that's super powerful. Like I want to believe. So if we bottle uh, our whiskey sisters, like whiskey at any point, it needs to be on an auspicious moon anchor. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that we could call it that. Yeah. Right. What did you get on the palate? Well, very different to the nose and very spicy. Yes. Like cream chilies, black pepper. Although I did eventually get some that sweetness. Like there was a little bit of digestive biscuits there and pastries with icing glaze on the top. Ah, very nice tasting notes. Totally with you on the spice. I've got, you know, like Chinese five spice, like star anise. Mm-hmm. Is that what you call it? Mm. Um, Very kind of like, you know, kind of not chilly, but more that kind of oriental spice. And then I got a bit sweeter and I thought like cinnamon ball sweets. I've got the digestive biscuits on the finish. So that's Mm. interesting. You were seeing that as well. And yeah, definitely some cinnamon there as well. But like the spiciness in the finish keeps lingering for quite a while moves mm. around in your mouth i think and it gets a little bit woody as well i think and then we finish mm. and because this is 50 percent apv i just decided to try it also with a little bit of water which i never do but i did it good for you anka yeah and the aroma i thought weakened right and on the palate it became a bit drier there was still that spiciness going around but mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more orange and lemon peel peels and mm-hmm. that kind of malty biscuit still going on. So it didn't like change too much. Yeah. But again, water just mellowed it all down. So I think it's still better without it. Yeah. So which one was your favorite? Oh, do you know what? I want it to be the Luna with all the magic power beams and all that, but it wasn't. It was the first one. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> I, I like the Luna more. Especially the aromas, because I prefer all the sweet notes over crayon pencils. <laughs> Enka, do you know what was weird? You know how, like, I've said before that I don't look at other people's tasting notes because I want to really try and, like, yeah. hold my, you know, just have my own experience. But, like, exactly. after I did it, like, I did a Google. And the weirdest thing, the notes I had for the curie, the first one, the apricot jam and, like, the damp soil and stuff, mm-hmm. that was, like, pretty much the exact description for the Luna aroma that somebody had written. So I thought that was interesting that because I, I haven't had those notes before, like of soil or apricot jam. So I just thought that's so weird. That's so weird because I don't get that at all with the Luna. But that's what somebody had. Wondered if their samples got mixed up, Anka. <laughs> have you tried any other uh whiskies from waterford so when we were there i went with family and we had like we tasted some drams and we tried some of the single farm origin and like you know we're thinking a bit about where the farm was from yeah i've got a couple of bottles of the single farms and then i got two cuvées and the luna so they definitely there's quite a lot of differences based on the areas but like i really need to revisit them yeah and you know they're they're reasonably like young as a distillery aren't they i'm intrigued to see what you know their age statements are like with these exactly yeah Mm -hmm. me too because they're longer in the wood and just yeah definitely and i'm just gonna do a little plug here if anyone's interested uh, in reading about the distillery and their whiskies I've written three different articles on the blog so on the source again go and check it out count it one two three no <laughs> scrimping there Inca <laughs> I know nice I love all the geeky stuff so 
for sure. Whiskey Sisters, Whiskey Fact. In today's episode, we have received plenty of whiskey intel from Angelita. So let's keep the whiskey fact nice and simple. Did you know that not all Irish whiskey has to be spelled with the extra E? In Ireland, whiskey must be described as Irish whiskey, E-Y, or Uskavik. Oh, how do you say that? Uskavik. <laughs> <laughs> You take that line, Inca. <laughs> whiskey, whiskey, because that's where the whiskey comes from, right? Yeah. I don't know. Well, see, it's, it's like Ushkava, isn't it? And like Scots. Let's quickly see. What the f- I'm just watching it on YouTube. Ushkabeha. Ishkabaha. In Ireland, whiskey must be described as Irish whiskey with an EY or Ushkabitha. Iranich, mm, don't know if that's right, <laughs> or Irish whiskey without an E. And Waterford Distillery spells their whiskey without an E. Yeah, and so as, as we explained in season one, the addition of E to the whiskey was only a marketing gimmick to differentiate Irish from Scottish whiskey. So Waterford Distillery calling their single malt whiskey without the E is also about marketing, I think. This happened to me actually once. Um, I think it was one of the Waterford articles and I was spelling whiskey without the E because, mm-hmm. you know, Waterford. And so someone had to contact me and say, that's not how you spell it. It has to be with the E that, you know, it's Irish whiskey. Did they contact uh, you on Twitter like an evil troll? I think they might have even emailed me or maybe they commented on the article. Right. But saying, you know, like how Scotch is... For Scotland, an Irish whiskey needs to be, it's like Irish whiskey. I'm like, oh, actually, sorry, but it's not. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. And, it, you know, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like, people get very upset about these things. So it's good to, to learn more and understand, isn't it? Yeah, there was actually recently, there was a Instagram post. I can't remember who posted it. And they were saying, like, you know, leave that. Because, you know, sometimes people put the brackets over the, like, yes. whiskey with the E in the choose you know is it whiskey or whiskey it's people still... know what you're talking about exactly and it's, it's basically the same thing it's just how different countries want to spell it but yeah. it's still the same product for sure you've been listening to the whiskey sisters podcast so we hope this episode has helped you to understand terroir a little bit better and maybe piqued your interest in Waterford whiskey. Next week, we have another stellar topic, especially for those who are partial to an occasional cigar, as we will be joined with Ian from Tomantil and Glen Cadham to chat about cigar malts and other whiskey pairings. So if you are partial to a cigar, not that we're encouraging smoking, but if you are, look it out and have your dram ready. Relax and join us next Wednesday. And meanwhile, you can keep up to date on all things Whiskey Sisters on our Instagram at whiskeysisters.podcast, Twitter at Whiskey Sisters, and Facebook at Whiskey Sisters Podcast. And we would love to hear what you think about Terra, whether you think it's just rubbish or whether you believe there's something more to it. Yeah, give us your chat. See you later, sugar. May your class be full and your dram on fire. Mm-hmm.